Hello, and welcome to Our Voices, Our Community. Each week, we focus on issues that are important to you and our community. We discuss an array of issues in Roanoke and the New River Valley, from social to political to economics, but also arts and culture and much more. Our goal is to merge local with state and national issues that affect our lives in Southwest Virginia. On today's episode, we're talking about the schools reopening and NASCAR. So let's get started. I'm Robert Jeffrey, and joining me today, Will Solari. Will, how are you today, sir? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. I'm going to try and enjoy some of the sunshine since it's been raining the past couple of days. Hopefully, hopefully the sun will stay out yeah. longer than today. No more, no more flash flooding. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm also with Catherine Stromberg. Catherine, how are you? I am good, although I just heard a distant scream um, from my children, so hopefully this doesn't go south <laughs> fast. They're fine. <laughs> I'll put it on mute if I hear another one. No, that's all right. That's all right. And then also Karen Jones. Karen, how are you? I'm good. How are y'all doing today? Well, we're doing great. We're doing great. We're doing great. It's a nice, beautiful day, so let's dive into discussion. Um, reopening the school year. Uh, is it too soon to start talking about it again? Um, Roanoke City and Montgomery County, along with surrounding school systems, are releasing their plans for reopening. At the same time, they're still seeking in input. So what input can or will reopening have? And also, do we balance the increase of positive COVID tests with educating our children? I know Montgomery County approved a plan on Tuesday to have students uh, four days a week and they will open in August. So, um, so what do you guys think in Roanoke City? I know they're going to have their opening in August 18th um, school, which was pretty early. Was, is that early? I haven't had kids in high school in a long time, in school in a long time. Is that early? Maybe I'm a little bit on the early side, but they've been going earlier now because we got rid of the, we got rid of that, um, the, the weird Memorial Day rule that we had. Okay. Yeah. Labor, Labor Day. Day. Labor Day for Kings Day. Labor Day, whatever, you know. Yeah, Labor I always Day. thought school start after Labor Day, but I guess yeah. it's starting now. Okay. So what are you guys' thoughts on this um, with the schools um, reopening and, and some of the plans that they're putting together for the school system? I mean, Catherine, you have children, of course, and Will as well uh, in the school system. So what do you guys think about this? <sighs> I mean, you know, I, I, I think that Montgomery County, you know, I applaud them for not forcing, for not having a plan that forces kids to do like these, like, especially elementary school kids to do a marathon school day. I think that is ridiculous um, and unfortunate and would never have worked. So, um, I think that that was smarter to do the four day schedule and then try to do the, and then the morning and afternoon to reduce the, the density during the day. I think that's all in contacts during the day. I think that's all smart. Um, and, and not trying to force kids to do, um, longer days as a way to, as a way to do school, because that would just, I, I mean, I think elementary school kids would be so burned out by that. Now, I think that is, the smarter plan for children, like in terms of how children work and educating them. Um, 
but I'm not sure that any of these plans are virally sound. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I am seeing restaurant after restaurant in this area closing. And, you know, my husband's telling me he's seeing more and more patients that he's testing that are positive. So what, uh, you know, I, I mean, we're still, we're still below the state average. So like the state does not care about us right now. I mean, it's not that they don't care, but we're not getting like a boatload of state attention because we're still not like, you know, we're still wit, you know, we're better than Northern Virginia. We're on the lower side of things in Northern Virginia still, but, um, but we are, we are seeing an increase from where we were for sure. And so, so, you know, in terms of our curve, we've been on the continuous basically upswing, like we're, we're still in our first wave. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I find it ridiculous that we're putting together this school plan when we're watching us reopening and then reclosing all the restaurants. Like what? What, what, what yeah. is our plan? Here? Yeah. I mean, yeah. the same thing is going to happen for school. Well, you, uh, Will, you have kids. What is, yeah. I mean, Uh-oh. And- to Catherine's point, it is a curious predicament, you know, because on one hand, um, I, I constantly am balancing out how bad getting COVID would be versus how bad I am at homeschooling, because like, that's exactly what it is. And I think a lot of people are stuck with that sort of choice where, um, you know, you have to do work at some point, you know, like, and, I, and as someone who works from home, it's almost impossible to get two kids throughout an entire school day online or, uh, or, you know, or doing some kind of distance learning or whatever else while also trying to work because I also have to feed the kids three times a day. I also have to make sure that they're getting all their work done, especially for my son. Like, you know, he's six. So I can't just be like, Hey man, sit in front of your laptop for eight hours while I get my work done. It's just, that's not a real, it's not a real thing. And, And I think it's even worse for people who, are essential workers who are underpaid, who can't do things like have a very responsible daycare or, or have a safe daycare so they can get their work done. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, this, it's, it's a really curious predicament where, you know, you kind of need schools to, to help balance out, you know, essentially daycare. Right. But then also, I think the other really hard thing is um, distance learning and online classes and all that stuff are good and fine. But there is something really entirely useful about school that isn't, you know, uh, you know, you're, you're reading, writing, arithmetic and whatever. And it's just the, the socialization of, of, of kids being around other kids. Yeah. And whether that's just to like get energy out, whether it's to like learn to, you know, be a, a, a productive human around other humans. Like there's something really to that. And so like I have all these things on one hand where I'm like, oh, my God, I, I really... Um, I need my kids to be back in school. And then, you know, again, the other thing is completely like, what is the safe way to do this? What is the responsible way that we all just don't end up getting sick because, you know, we're tired of showing our kids how to do ST math all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, before we started the uh, podcast, I know Karen, you were talking about the daycare and with parents and things like that. Mm-hmm. And in the situation regarding, you know, cost and time. Um, you want to expand, expand that a little bit? Well, yeah, like a lot of concerns that I have, particularly for working parents is, you know, if you don't have school, then 
how do you then, I think like Will was saying, how do you then work and take care of your families? And so our kids, our students will miss a lot, not just the socialization piece, but we also know that um, a lot of our children don't eat if there's no school, which is why you saw during yep. the time of the pandemic, everyone making sure and finding ways to feed our children, which I think both Montgomery County and Roanoke City did phenomenal jobs at um, making that work. Um, I think too, though, some of the concerns, with, particularly now that we're seeing restaurants are now closing because we're getting these COVID te te tests coming back positive, Montgomery County particularly, now we're gonna start to have Virginia Tech students coming back, as well as Radford University students coming back. So we're bringing in um, outside elements that we can't necessarily control, right? Um, and thinking about that impact and kind of how that works. Now, I love my students. I love, I, I was gonna say, this is such a like, <laughs> Montgomery County, Blacksburg, Christian Dirk's like conversation where you're like, outside elements the, the the outsiders are the students <laughs> right you know what when i was younger i i hated when students were gone because then it's like what do you do now that i'm old i'm like oh my gosh i just need a break but it's so quiet at home right now with nobody um here but there's a lot of things to consider i also worry like with the buses i think um and talking with different people keeping the buses clean um is going to be an issue because that's where the students are going to spend a lot of time in closer quarters than they are, you know, when they're actually in the classroom. So um, well, there's a well, lot of things to balance. You know, I think it's worth mentioning, though. Well, any situation where you have people, you know, traveling from a bunch of different places and centralizing somewhere is a real risk for any kind of, like, contagion, infection, whatever. Um, you know, there's all this chatter about like, why are, you know, why, why are the, the mainstream media picking on Southern states and Christians and Trump rallies about these COVID spikes and whatever. And it's like, uh, because you guys don't wear masks. Like, you know, and the one thing you can say for students at least is that they'll probably wear masks, you know, like there's, they're, they're of a generation. Some of them may be <clears throat> so, yeah, do they, well, maybe do they, they wear don't. masks. Do they wear masks during all of their activities? Because let me tell you, if you've ever lived in a college <laughs> town, yeah, they're not you that. know what students get up to. I know. My answer is no. I don't know what that is supposed to mean. Yeah, graduation weekend. <laughs> I know do. everybody was outside of the formerly known as Arnold's. No mask, packed like sardines. It was crazy. It was crazy. Well, I, I guess the question we should ask is, is the – is monitoring the mask of kids. I mean, you're going to have uh, elementary kids, middle students. I mean, how can you monitor that? I mean, that's, I mean, and, and do it throughout the day that they're going to have to have their mask on. I mean, I understand key, uh, young. I actually think that elementary school students will be better at it than college students. I am not. You think I'm, so? Yes, they are good. They like when they're in the school, and especially if it's only if this, especially it's for an even shorter day, if their friends are doing it, if it's an expectation, like the kids are actually fairly good at it. I'm not saying perfect, but you don't need to be perfect, right? Like they wear pants all the time. Like, you know, some kids don't like to wear pants. Like, let me tell you, <laughs> like, like I mean, I'm talking about elementary school kids here, but like, come on, like, you know, the, the kids are very actually 
Um, they're very eager to please their teachers. And I think elementary school kids will be pretty good. I, ser- I, I truly, it's, it's teenagers and, high, and, and the older teens and the college kids that I think will, will be the most trouble. Because they are already, I mean, I hear them out in my neighborhood running around in packs. Right. Well, let me ask you this. They're all nihilist. Let me ask you this question. As um, I always think, I always look at scenarios, and you know, I hope that this plan is well executed. But but of course, you know, executed plans always have hiccups. And what if we have a spike mm-hmm. that happens in our school systems? I mean, I mean, do we just do the plan just goes away and everything just? We shut it down, or do they continue for it? That's those. Those are kind of questions I like to know um, how it's going to be handled. Because with everything that's going on, there's going to be someone that's going to be impacted by this. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a teacher, whether it's uh, was it students. Um, so I, I hope that there's a plan, some type of plan. Right. Because, uh, What's the plan to test everybody? Like, why not test? Like, why not ramp up your testing so that you're testing all your, you know, all your, you know, teachers? Maybe I don't know. I don't know if you test the kids or if you test the teachers. How you do it on a regular basis? But like, there needs to be some kind of like sentinel testing so things don't like because especially in a population where you know they're going to have fewer symptoms. You can't let, like, and actually, that's the other thing. Like, our parents, like, now you're sending all the kids back to school to all trade germs again. And all, and every single parent is going to have to answer the question, like, is this a cold or is this COVID? Cold or COVID? Cold or COVID? And let me tell you, actually, coronavirus, coronaviruses cause the common cold, like a different type of coronavirus. So, like, (laughs) the answer, COVID or cold, is almost like so fine a question how could any parent possibly do that without a real medical test i just don't think it's like it so are kids going to be staying home every time they sneeze every time they have like they blow their nose and a little extra snot comes out i don't even know the answers to these questions yeah and for and for for teachers and staff too you know you have to give them i think an option about what's most safe for them you know if you are you know 65 and you're getting ready to retire next year do you want you'd be forced to go back to work to do your last year of work at an elementary school where you're probably going to get COVID. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot of, uh, to your point, Robert, I think there's a lot of contingency plans that need to be in place for those situations for if, what if a, what if a teacher gets sick, then do they test the whole class? They test that great. You know, there, I think there has to be a lot of stuff in place and a lot of measures for people who want to stay safe. Also, if, if it's just business as usual. Yeah, I was I was wondering too. Um, I didn't, I haven't reviewed the whole plan, but you know when students come in, is there? I remember going to high school. You had to go to your was it home period class first? Maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm dating myself, but you go to your home period class first, and then you start you start your class your periods class periods, and maybe that's where you can at least everyone takes temp a temperature check. Is everyone coming? I don't know. I don't know if they do anything like that, but I hope they do something preventative when it's students, when the students initially come into the school or even before that, they can take temperature at least to kind of, you know, test and make sure if it's a high temperature, we know we need to 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they'd have to do that. You know, I mean, I they, they do that in most places. You know, they check your, your temperature to make sure you're safe to go into a hospital or wherever else or where to sort you, you know, and, you, and the, on the way into like any kind of sensitive place. I think school is, it should be just another one of those places. Yeah. But wouldn't they do that like, when you get on the bus? Like if, you, if you're going to ride well, the bus, take temperature checks and things like that. At well, that I point, think the bus is... Buses have enough problems right now. Oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We're going to add another. The outsourcing well, bus system, I mean, we already have problems. <laughs> you have to make sure that the students will never get there on time. <laughs> right. We cannot let the bus drivers do it. Right. I think, I mean, in most, in most, um, and like in like Korea and Japan, like you're expected to take your child's temperature every day, no matter what, like pre-pandemic, I believe, um, because of their experience with SARS, the SARS-1. So, um, you know, we're, uh, you know, we're looking at starting a cultural practice of, you know, taking our kids temperatures at home every morning and um, responding, I think. And, I, you know, I'm fine with that. But actually, the one problem I have is that it was very effective to do those temperature checks with SARS-1. It is not as effective with SARS-2. So if people think mm-hmm. that that's all you got to do and you just got to check that box. That's not accurate. So um, it's just frustrating to, to be kind of caught in this space where they're not offering a rap, but you know, they're not, they haven't ramped up. There is a rapid test that can tell you pretty accurately, like, you know, they can, they can diagnose, that's a pretty accurate diagnosis um, that, you know, you could, you could know in a certain number of hours, I believe. But, um, and that's what they do for people like before surgeries now and everything. But um, we're not, we're not doing the rapid testing for kids coming into school. And that's really what the gold standard needs to be with this. But we can't, we're not, you know, thermometers are ubiquitous and right. rapid, rapid COVID tests are not. So well, Let me ask you this question, because you mentioned about the parents and, and also taking the temperature. Um, you have a parent, single parent, has to work. And, and you ask the parent to take their temperature. Temperature's a little high. Child looks fine, be all right. I have to get to work. And so we're going to put the decision-making in front of that parent, knowing based on the other issues that they have going on. Uh, you know, and, and that's, I mean, I hate to say that, but that's a reality, especially when you have, especially uh, family members and, and, and parents, single, especially single parents and living in poverty. When they have to make it's very real work and they look at their child and say, you look fine. And maybe just something that might not be cold and they send their child on. So, well, I mean, if, if people who send their kids to school after they've been throwing up as any indication, like that happens way, way, way too often. And, you know, and not everybody's a medical expert. I'm not a medical expert. So sometimes, you know, I might be like, hey, my kid threw up because they just ate too much milk or I don't know, whatever. But that's not always the case. You know, they may have the flu. They may have some kind of stomach bug. They may have whatever. Um, and so it's, I think it's hard to also ask everyone to be that expert. I mean, I, and I, if, if, you know, stinking thermometers or any indication. I have like four different thermometers in my house that all tell me different things, no matter what's going on. So like, yeah, I just don't know. I, I, I hardly trust myself, you know, to like make, to, to figure out the right thing to do 
And then you add all the extra pressure of, of your jobs and whatever else. And especially if you have a job where you don't have an understanding boss or, right. or, or, you know, position. Yeah. Well, it's going to be, um, like I said, I, for Roanoke city, they start August 18th. And again, I don't, unfortunately, I don't know the date for Montgomery County, but it's coming yeah. soon. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think a date's been determined yet for Montgomery County, but. Okay. Well, well, it, is- it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. So, um, we'll, we'll follow that. And as we get closer to, um, to the, first day of school, I know for sure we'll talk about it, um, but I hope everyone will be safe, and, and I hope the plan is, will work, will work, but um, we'll, we will just pray for that, we pray for that. So let's, let's move on. Um, I know all you guys are NASCAR fans. Yes. I'm playing, I'm playing a NASCAR fan for today. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm defend the, I'm going to defend this sport. There you go. Well, last week, NASCAR, um, because of um, they recently uh, made a, a firm decision, which I, I do respect, that they are remo- uh, removing all Confederate flags from all their events, NASCAR events. Uh, and I know Bubba Wallace, who is one of their, well, only, <laughs> not one, <laughs> but only African-American driver um, in NASCAR, top racing, I should say, um, was a champion of this. Uh, But on Sunday, a noose was found in the garage station for Bubba Wallace. And I know on Monday, this past Monday, there was a solidarity as they were at Talladega uh, in solidarity of him and and supporting him because of this, you know, asinine event that with the noose left in his garage. Um, I know Richard Petty, I think is, he's the owner of the, uh, of, of the car and driver was in support. And Karen, you mentioned he's a Republican, as you said, right? Yes, um, Richard Petty, um, he actually even ran for, I think North Carolina Secretary of State and I believe like 96 as a Republican, he, okay. he supported um, Trump during his election and appeared on stage with him. Um, I think one of the things striking is his statement. Um, And just, you know, I grew up, my friends and stuff love some NASCAR. So I am very familiar with, you know, who their icons are, you know, Richard Petty, Dale Earnhardt, just kind of the the whole bit. And his statement for me was, so strong and so firm it shows like this shift um because the culture of nascar is one in which i would never be at a a nascar race very for the reason that the confederate flag is flown high and widely and it's embraced and it's part of the culture of racing um and something that is so deeply part of the sport for their icon, I think, what is Richard Petty's nickname? The King, is it? I think, but... Um, no, isn't uh, it the Intimidator? Uh, you know, I thought the King was Elvis. I'm confused. No. Yeah. See, I need you guys to brush up on your NASCAR. I don't know what the deal is. We all live in well, Southeast Virginia. You should know better. Like, but... Well, 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 
Well, I think like for me, I'm very issue oriented, um, Mm -hmm. regardless of what my political affiliation may be. I'm very, very issue oriented. Um, And I think someone like Richard Petty, who is like, this is disgusting. We will not stand for it. I will not have it. Speaks volumes to, I think, where we are in this moment and the change that needs to happen. And quite frankly, NASCAR has made a much stronger statement than the NFL ever has. <laughs> well, yeah. well, I mean, oh. you're right. You're right. I mean, I, uh, I'm not a, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a NASCAR fan. Um, I know certain names and, and when ESPN, when I watch ESPN, I see NASCAR highlights. I kind of flip it to CNN and wait till it goes off and, <laughs> and then flip it back and, and see and see what LeBron is doing. So, um, I, but however, I, I do respect the fact that this um, sport and this organization um, who went uh, beyond what other uh, sport organizations have done and, and said that we're no, we're no longer going to do this. And the fact that they're supporting this young man, um, the only African-American driver, um, it does say something. But also, do you don't think it's, to me, as they see the shift, you talk about the shift and the change of NASCAR, do you think this, and I'm just, just throwing this question out there, do you think it's more of a business decision to try? <coughs> yeah. I have some well, thoughts. No, decision. hold on. Yeah, I'm just, I have some thoughts. Well, I will say I'm this. With, I'm with Robert. I'll let y'all. I'll let y'all discuss. But I don't okay. think the fact of the matter is they're probably going to lose more money, right? They're going to have fans that are going to take a negative stand against it. I think that I don't. I don't necessarily think it's a business decision to gain more fans because let's be real. I'm still not going to NASCAR. <laughs> it's not going to happen, right? Um, but I, you but know, but. It, but it's a but it's a numbers and it's an odds ahead, game though, right? Ahead. Like they go, okay, we're gonna lose, you know, ten thousand neo confederates or whatever. Uh, but we're gonna we stand to gain. Let's just say we get ten percent more, you know, black, Hispanic, whatever, you know, people who were that that makes up for the people that are like what the <laughs> one guy retired from NASCAR because they. Band the Confederacy, and, and to NASCAR's credit, the response was like, "Oh man, we actually had to look up who you were. I'm sure your <laughs> tens of fans will be disappointed." Right, but so, like, so, but NASCAR, NASCAR, like, if you look at the cars, if you look at the teams, they are sponsored by corporations, and those corporations do not want to be associated broadly with the Confederate flag. Yeah. So when we talk about money in NASCAR and what kind of image people want. And who's going to show up to a NASCAR race? What is important is for those corporate sponsorships to keep flowing. And if there's any kind of um, indication that you are this like last rump, last cause sport, you you know, nipping that in the bud right now is a good idea. It's a good business decision. It's not about how many people are going to show up. I mean, are people really going to stop showing up to watch cars? Like, if this is the thing that excites them, is they, I mean, plus. There's no sports on TV right now. Like NASCAR is actually an incredibly strong position in that they can still do their sport because the people are in cars and separated from one another. So, you know, here we are trying desperately to figure out how to do the NBA 
and um, and and NASCAR's already restarted, so they're looking at a huge opportunity to gain fans in an environment where there is no, there are no other sports happening, and so coming out with this business decision, I think it's, I, I mean, you know, when 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 business decisions end up benefiting, you know, equality and whatever, okay, fine, like I'm not going to complain, I'm not going to like, you know, uh, you know, you know, spit in a spitting a horse that's coming my, I'm not going to spit at a horse that's coming my direction right like if, if they're drinking the water that I put out for them I'm going to be like go ahead you drink that water whatever the analogy is <laughs> but, like I've never heard of that Catherine but <laughs> but here's the thing though I, I think that like I don't think you get a pat on the back and a, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a medal for doing the thing that you should have been doing in the first place right Sure. like Richard Petty's career probably lasted eight times longer than the actual Confederacy, right? Like, <laughs> there's there's some, like, and to be like, oh, well, I guess we can't fly that stupid flag anymore at our thing. It's just, again, it was it's just racist marketing. And I think the problem with NASCAR, I mean, if we really want to get down to it, right, the problem isn't that um, they're inherently racist. The problem is that it's an, the reason, like, a noose ended up and, 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 and the guy's locker is in part or his garage is in part because you have a really, you have a culture that it revolves around toxic masculinity. What there's one female driver, right. And then there's one black driver and it's all this like white male, like nonsense. And that's the culture they're in. And out of those cultures spring a bunch of like, say that, do that one more time. <laughs> <laughs> My flag. It's heritage, not hate. <laughs> Look, um, look, I'm sorry. I, out of that nonsense, though, those things, though. <laughs> but I mean, really, like to, the, 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 the culture itself is part of the problem. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's that, like, again, like my favorite sport is one where dudes punch each other in the face. Like men and women oh. punch each other in the face, right? And okay. like, well. But the thing is, like, there's something like very, like, straightforward about that and whatever else. Like, you know, this, I, I remember, I remember distinctly rem- figuring out that like parts of Pennsylvania, like were definitely the South when I was in a, I had to interview a, a guy who owned a gun store in Orangeburg, Pennsylvania and his like prize piece. And I think it was Richard Petty. There's this giant pistol, like this giant custom Richard Petty pistol. And like, you know, like that's that culture. You know, not all look, NASCAR look. is like that. But again, we're like, oh, good job, guys, for finally getting rid of the Confederate flag. Now, maybe if you could change all of your other stupid views and opinions um, about, look, like, I'm you're just- like, rah, 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 like, culture, <laughs> uh, we could really solve some problems. I see cars as being the least problematic part of that. Like, cars that go around in circles fast. And and Rubens racing and all that. Yeah, I have but that's, no problem. That's why F one doesn't have Confederate flags on their cars, though. The the problem. What, what, oh, what's that? Who F one? Like any oh. other kind of like oh. racing car sports. Mm-hmm. You know, this well, isn't a so, problem for for you know really anything true. other than like demolition derbies and which I love and NASCAR, <laughs> right? Like right. But I just want to. I just want to say that if they have to choose between like their pseudo sport of like cars going around in circles and their pseudo sport of like shooting at things that are often shaped like black presidents, I am for the (laughs) sport of cars going around in circles big time. I'm a big supporter of the sport where cars go around in circles. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think those are the two choices. And so 
I say the car sport stays and the Glock sport goes. <laughs> well, well, you know, it's interesting. You know, I look at, um, and I'm just using a sample, but I know my grandkids, um, they love cars. Every time for their birthday, uh, you know, Christmas, they always want cars. And even I grew up with cars, you know. I mean, I, I just did. And a lot of kids do. They like to see things going fast. They have the remote cars now and trucks they use. But and I and you see that. So there's some there's some affinity that kids and they grew up will have toward this. And now NASCAR is is finally seeing, you know, and, and not having the Confederate flag hovering them. They're actually giving they're opening the door mm-hmm. for potential people to say, hey, you really do have an option to pursue this. And I think, uh, again, you know, right or wrong, I think, well, I know it's right, right thing to do, but it does create that business opening a segment of the community that it was not really reached before opening up. And I guarantee you, as the years go by, we will probably start seeing more people of color involved in this sport. And I, I, I and because the atmosphere that they're creating or trying to create, is to make sure it is open, right. because I know you're right. I would never attend. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind going down to Martinsville to see a race, but I'm not going to go down to Martinsville and see a race and I see, you know, Confederate flags flying and everybody seeing old Dixie. And I'm. Damn, I'm, I'm That's not exactly gonna, I'm what not, I was thinking of the horn that makes the old. Yeah, Dixie yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna participate in that. But if I'm gonna go. And, and, and being part of that environment where it's going to be racing and cars blowing up and hitting the turns and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I want to see some of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll see that. So I think, I, think, I think that that's what they're doing. And I think they're thinking in the future because I do think this shift that has happened in the past couple of weeks, uh, you know, that it is, it is, it is a, it's a point. It's a talking point in time. And I think it's going to change. Um, some ways. And so I think just being prepared, I think it's a smart move. I think it's a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know if you're going to fix disenfranchised white males who are the the calls and (laughs) like core fans of like those kind of things by getting rid of their like participation flag. You know, I, I just, I worry that, that, that it's a, it's a good start, but it's a problematic culture you know, through and through. Um, and, and I, and I hope, you know, again, I I'm with you, Robert. I hope NASCAR is like the great new, like equalizer of like, listen, we got men and women and all kinds of races and everything's awesome. And like, you know, we're, we're, we're really out there for everybody, but I just, at its I'm core, holding out for when they go carbon neutral. <laughs> No, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other fight. Yeah. But you know, well, yeah, sorry, but... sorry, jokes, as, jokes. Sorry, Bill. About and are removing these symbols and all of this stuff. The the goal is not really gonna. It's not gonna change people's hearts and minds that are already kind of in that space. But I think what it really does is it sets up our future to be um, better. And the the things that have been exposed because of COVID-19, the inequities that we probably didn't necessarily know that existed have been put on front street and we can't ignore those. But then also um, 
people now recognizing that all of these symbols are bad for who we are as Americans, not just that it's clearly against me as a, as a black person, um, but it's bad for us as Americans. Like we can't hide from that anymore. Um, and so, yeah. you know, people's hearts and minds may not change, but I think the shift that we're going to see in our future generations, all of this is super impactful. Well, I do, I do. Yeah. And, and Karen, I am encouraged on that level where we can go, you know, if NASCAR is getting rid of Confederate symbols, what's the holdup Mississippi, South Carolina, Right. you know, like change of state flags already. Like, right. I think there's a, I think there's a good, um, there's a good precedent set by, by a group like NASCAR for those, those kind of target demographics like Mississippi and South Carolina, um, to, to be that kind of change too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if, if, um, if Bubba, you know, is interesting. I hate to, well, uh, yeah, well, Bubba, I'll just leave it alone. Bubba. But if, if Bubba wins, I, I, I mean, I think that really helps a lot too. And, you know, for example, I know I don't shift sports, but I know Tiger Woods was in, you know, he started winning and the culture really changed, especially in African Americans golfing. I mean, that was the only reason why I started golfing was because of seeing Tiger Woods um, there and winning. And so, um, so I hope, you know, and I wish Bubba, it's hard for me to say, but I'm sorry, <laughs> it's hard for me to say, but I hope, I wish Bubba well, and I hope he wins, but I think that would also elevate that sport and also create that window for other people to be a part of. Uh, we was talking about T ribs. Um, do you, you guys remember that? Who is Willie T ribs? a good name well you know um karen i thought you was a nascar aficionado i am i'm a historian Um, yes (laughs) okay well willie t ribs is one of the first black um nascar drivers see i only know mr wendell mr wendell scott i don't know this willie t well willie t ribs actually he was on cnn last night with don lemon and he was being interviewed about the impact of what Bubba was saying, Bubba Wallace and the Confederate flag. And he brought up some very strong points. But uh, again, I think this is, I think it is a start. And I think it's really, I, I do think it's great that they're doing it, you know. Um, even though it's a business decision, it's a, I mean, it makes sense. And so uh, we'll, we'll look forward to seeing them. And um, and I hope look forward to all Catherine. You're gonna be going to the uh, NASCAR races. Go down to Martinsville. I don't know about going, but um, <laughs> but there's a severe shortage of sports on TV right now. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, look, you know. So my husband might get that. My husband might get that desperate, and their their good marketing here might help on. On, on these fronts and so they might be gaining some new fans in that way I believe and we've always we've always uh, enjoyed the phrase in our house Robin's racing so um. <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe we have a maybe we do a, a colors day at Martinsville Speedway <laughs> uh, well, 
guys can tell me how that goes. Let's put that on the. I'll be sure to zoom in for that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Put that on the. Once they have a vaccine, okay. Absolutely. (laughs) Catherine, if you are starving for for sports, there is uh, there is a plethora of UFC events every week. They tide you over if you need if you need something a little more interesting than. And watching people go in circles for hours. Right. So, so I think we should close out with your incisive analysis that um, your your class analysis of um, of NASCAR versus soccer and how they're actually the same sport. <laughs> just class. Just, just it's just four and a half hours of people going around in circles as an excuse for their fans to drink. I think that's the. <laughs> That's 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 my that's my analysis. Those are the universal components of having that type of event. So that's why I think NASCAR. Once yeah. people realize this is an event is where people go and drink and have fun and watch people go in circles. That's going to be one of the. This going it's going to explode. I'm telling you. Remove the Confederate flags. They going everyone's going to start seeing this <laughs> as a big party. And I'm telling you, people will rush to a party. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, and I, well, and I think, I think, yeah, well, but that maybe is when the part, see, that's when the party ends for me. It's like, there's that, uh, what's that, what's that very depressing existential, like saying like time is a flat circle that just goes, I'm, as I'm watching NASCAR, I'm just reminded, I'm like, oh my God, like I'm dying while I'm watching this. Like time (laughs) is ticking away and I'm just like, oh, cool. Everything's, everything is the worst. Wow. Well, we're going to follow this. We're going to follow um, Bubba and, and NASCAR as we um, get closer. And uh, I do wish that sport well. And we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's go. Let's, um, as we wrap up, of course, let's talk about uh, as what we're looking forward to next week, guys. Um, I know I have a couple things, but um, Will, is there anything you're looking forward to next week or this? Um, you know, I don't know. It's it's I, life in a lot of ways has felt like NASCAR lately, where um, I, I the weeks are getting very similar. Um, I think I think for me, I'm 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 looking forward to things getting safer again. I know we're an uptick of COVID and all that kind of stuff. But I, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to whether it's when we have vaccines or whatever else, I'd like to go see movies again. Mm. I'd like to, there's yeah. as much as I always thought it would be great to be like trapped inside my house for six months. I'm, I'm finally starting to be like, uh, maybe, maybe some of those things I miss more than I thought I did. So I'm sort of, I'm, I'm always, I'm looking forward to that, uh, that safe return to society. What about uh, Catherine? Um, so I'm looking forward to the new superintendent of Roanoke City Public Schools is coming, and I guess we're doing in-person meetings. Um, we'll see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I think, they're asking for masks. We'll see. So, superintendent of public schools in Roanoke City. I'm looking forward to that, and um, I'm going to be bringing up the uh, school resource officer issue. Yeah. And specifically, um, looking forward to talking about that and seeing what her her thoughts are 
on having all these school resource officers and all the money we're spending on that and um, and the pepper spraying and everything that's been happening in our schools. So I'm looking forward to hearing about it. Okay. Karen, how about you? So I am actually looking forward to, you guys know, um, last Friday was Juneteenth and there were lots of events um, scheduled and the one that we had planned to be at Christianburg Institute, we have rescheduled that. And so I'm looking forward to that event that we'll have in a couple of weeks and got a lot of great things planned, you know, just to celebrate us and who we are and what we do and to celebrate freedom and that freedom's for all of us. So I'm just really looking forward to that. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I really don't have, I thought I had too much, but the only thing I'm really looking forward to and actually just watching is the recent um, Trump rallies that's, that he has planned. One he did recently on Tulsa, in hmm. Tulsa, uh, and which was, which was, I'm glad it was abysmal because it was not, it wasn't a huge turnout. For, the, for him, which is great because it was actually, to me, when it was a low turnout, it was actually much safer for everyone, mm-hmm. even though Tulsa had spikes uh, in COVID, COVID spikes in Tulsa. And now he's going to Arizona, where Arizona has a spike going on in Arizona. So I'm looking to see, hopefully, they'll get the same, he, he receives the same reaction in uh, Tulsa than he will in uh, in Arizona. So I'm looking, so and I think it's important that people are waking up and hopefully they realize that it's dangerous to be in that type of event and atmosphere. So, uh, so I'm we'll looking to see how that pans out. And if you look at, and that's sad, but if you look at his core demographics, you know, older people, probably with pre-existing health conditions, um, who refuse to wear a mask, because that's, you know, just control and whatever else. That's a that's a that's a sad scenario for people who are who are potentially compromised or could be compromised. Right. So. Yeah. So, well, hope hope hopefully people are waking up, and and, and hopefully seeing that um, it, my life is far too important attending some damn Trump rally. So, <laughs> I hope they wake up and realize that. So, guys. Well, you know. Go ahead, Will. Where else are people going to get him spouting off, you know, sexual assault, you know, scenarios and xenophobic, you know, you know, kind of off the cuff hate speeches like he's been doing. Well, you know, if Twitter. no one shows up at his rallies, yeah. Well, I mean, but he has his well, daily press briefings <laughs> in the the White House where he yeah the daily. Also, so, I mean, I mean, before we go, can we talk about that one second? His whole thing about that. Let's just say there's a girl at home. She's by herself. Her husband is out on business. And two men break in the window. They cut her up, you know. They cut her up just for fun because shooting her. Like, he went on for, like, 30 minutes about this, like, and it's not off a teleprompter, just straight out of his head, this, like, murder, like, rape scenario where he sort of, like, loosely tried to pin it on minorities. And, like, everyone's fine with that, I guess? Yeah. Uh, And he wonders why no one wants to come to, like, hear him speak. Well, he has a fear mind that he, he loves to do and uh, it's a sad commentary that people actually are opening themselves up to listen to this this mess and it really is sad it really is sad so we'll 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 see what the turnout is and hopefully 
uh, hopefully um, in the next couple of weeks is really when you really see the impact as far as the spike uh, of the COVID after he leaves. It usually takes a couple of weeks before you see the impact. Of it. So I pray that it doesn't impact um, mm -hmm. in those rally areas. So we'll see. Well, guys, hey, thank you so much again. It's always a pleasure. It's always great to see you guys remotely and you guys are safe. Um, hopefully one day we can all come together and kumbaya and, and able to do the podcast together. Uh, yeah. Face to face. Yeah. I'm Hurry up on the vaccine. <laughs> praying for that day. Um, so thank you guys and thank you and thank the listening people, audience for listening to our voices, our community presented by Colors VA Magazine. You can also listen to us each Sunday at 3 p.m. on WROE 95.7, Radio Free Roanoke. If you like what you've heard today, leave us a review. Also, be sure to like Our Voices, Our Community on Facebook. Thank you, and have a blessed day.